Lord, we do um, honor the sacrifices that so many people in this country have made um, for the sake of freedom, fighting for the person to their left and to their right and to those at home. We honor them. More importantly, we honor you for your sacrifice, for the freedom that you've given us through your son, the suffering he endured for us. We do not take that lightly. I pray a blessing over this morning that we would see this as a moment, a moment to encounter you with one another and a moment that uh, we don't want to look past or we want to be right here with you. So help us stay with you in this moment. We, well, we have our plans for after this time, but help us engage now, right now, in this moment. Would you turn, turn on the switch to our hearts? Help us see you, engage you, and give us the courage to receive that which you have for us, and then to model that which we receive from you to the people around us. Bless your word this morning. Thank you that it never comes back void. We ask that you'd have your way and we would enjoy this time with each other in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. How are we doing? Yeah? It's warm out there. <laughs> I've tried so hard since being here from California not to whine about the weather. I worked really hard the first, after my first two years here, I complained every Sunday. Um, it was either too hot or too cold, not perfect enough. And then I'm like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then it's snowing in the first week of November, and I'm back at it. So, yeah, those of you that love it, you're nuts. We have inner healing ministry here, so. <laughs> no. Yeah, speaking of weather, actually, let's enter some time of prayer while California is on fire. Um, and continues to be. We, wanna, we don't want to take that lightly either because we're far away, and it's a lot to have in one week with the shootings that went on. And So, Lord, we... <laughs> mercy. Mercy, Lord. We cry mercy. We pray, Lord, in the suffering that your glory would be seen. And it would be what gives people hope. So we pray that your spirit would be um, recognized. For we know you are present with them. So, Lord, have your way. And again, we cry mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Be with them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, suffering is a hard thing, amen? And one of the things that we will be entering into, oh, that sounded really depressing, one of the things we'll be talking about today. <laughs> Probably not the best way to <laughs> segue. We're going to be entering into suffering this morning. Prepare yourselves. But uh, for those of you that are visiting and, and, uh, or first-time guests, I will give an even shorter recap of kind of where we've been and what we're doing here. 
We're probably in our, going on to our third year in the book of Romans. And uh, we are in Romans because Romans, what it does, uh, it shows us a culture that isn't too dissimilar to our own, um, where kind of everything goes. There aren't a lot of boundaries. There isn't a lot of honor for the Lord. And how does, how does one navigate that world with Jesus? And Jesus navigates the world that we see in the Gospels in a way no one could predict. And no one could put into a box and say, this fits what I was thinking as far as a Messiah and someone God would send to save us. It was like the opposite. And what we see in our lives, what we see in our lives is not the black and white that we would like. There's this holy gray area. And what I mean there is not indecision. It's not a condoning thing. And it's not a condemning thing. It's where the spirit moves. And it's so easy for us to want to contain that so it makes sense to us. And what Jesus shows us by his very presence on this earth and in our lives now is that that box doesn't apply to where he's going to go. Can he work in that box? Absolutely, he does. But almost every time, he will blow it up. How many have tried to contain him in your nice little jewelry box of your life? Yeah, yeah, that goes real well, doesn't it? Yeah, because it gets tested by life. And life will always test what you believe and what you know. We see it every single day. How many people here try every day to surrender everything to the Lord? Or you try to think to surrender everything to the Lord, right? It's hard. It's an everyday battle to give them those things. And so when we look at when we look at today, we're going to be in uh, chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 18, which will continue to pull out tensions. The whole point of this is to pull out the tensions, and what, is one of, what does Jesus want to say in these tensions? And sometimes we, want, we don't want to hear what he has to say, even though we want him to say something. Usually, for me, I go, Lord, what do you want to say that will please me? <laughs> That's really how it goes. Let's be honest, we hope for the best. Lord, I pray that your will is in alignment with my will. Instead of, Lord, help my will be in alignment with your will. That's a lot, a lot of times that's how these prayers go, is it not? Lord, what do you want to say to me? Please let it be what I would say to me. Please. And it's not normally. <laughs> and so we, uh, we're going to have a big tension here today. And what does the Lord want to say? So if you would open your Bibles, please, if you... Uh, I hope you bring them every week, either on your phone, the hard copy, uh, which I endorse. There's just something about having it right there. Or on your pad, it doesn't matter, as long as you have it. If you open chapter to chapter 8, please, and we're going to look uh, at verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read it twice, and the first time, read it along with me, in this, uh, not out loud to yourself. And then the second time, I just want you to hear it. I just want to read it over you. Starting from verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Starting again. And just listen and receive best you can. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There's a tension here because we don't know what to do with suffering. We, we theologically can say, yes, we do. But suffering is so tangible, you don't have to go far to find it. And suffering can take all different shapes and forms. It's, it's not only catastrophic things that happen in your life. It can be the little mundane things that just pile up and cause discomfort that leads to a point you cannot function the way you want to function. Which is kind of how I would define suffering. Suffering really prevents me from functioning the way I want to function. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to experience depression. I don't want to experience heartache and pain. It doesn't allow me to be the best version of myself according to my box of Brendan. Did Jesus suffer? Tell me, how did he suffer? I want, I'm opening it up. How did he suffer? Betrayal. What else? Rejection. Unbelief. Unbelief. Scor- what? Scorn. What? Persecution? Persecution. Boom! Jim, way to drop the mic on everybody. Separation from the Father for the first time in eternity. Do you know why he came? So you would never, ever, ever have to experience that kind of suffering. We see a Jesus that experiences suffering on multiple levels. That isn't just the cross. Oftentimes we think it's the physical pain he went through and endured on the cross. And then we may take it a step further and say it was, it was the betrayal of his friends. And that hurts. That does. He's at his most vulnerable moment up to this point in the garden. And he tells his, his three buddies, please watch and pray. Stay awake from me. And he is crying out to the Lord, wanting, the, wanting God, if it be his will, to take this away from him. Well, what? The punishment on the cross? Maybe. But I think it was just that, Jim. No, I don't want to be away from my father. I, I don't want to. And on top of that, his buddies didn't do what he asked them to do. You have people not believing him. You have people betraying him. You have people spitting on him. You have people everywhere causing all these kinds of things. And then, remember, he goes 40 days in the desert. Let's not forget that. Where the enemy tries to tempt him, tries to cause him to sin. And you better believe there was physical suffering. You better believe there was a battle going on. Jesus allows us to see that he does have spiritual battle. In that garden, he had spiritual battle. On the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? There's suffering everywhere. So, we cannot fall into the trap of comparing anyone's suffering either. It's relative. I may suffer with things you don't think would be considered suffering. And vice versa. It's not your job to judge that. It's everywhere. Paul identifies that. 
But what Paul has been trying to do from the beginning when we, of, of Romans is to say the Holy Spirit, life in the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ is the greatest life. <laughs> it is greater than the voice of your sinful flesh. It is greater than all things. You've got to submit to it. Does he not say that over and over? I, Paul, a slave to Christ Jesus. I mean, that's how he starts the letter. And it's not about, you know, prospering. It's not about, it's not about having good financial situations and all that. Does God bless us with that? Sure he does. But at the end of the day, that's not what matters. What matters is proximity to Jesus being with the Father. And Paul keeps saying, don't ever drift away from that. Because suffering will ensue. And the very presence of, the, of Jesus, period, invites suffering. It invites it. So those of us that call on his name and think that it's going to make a cozy life for us, I'm sorry, it's going to come with a ton of suffering. Why is that? Because the world, the created junk, not God's creation, but the, things that, the, the fall that has distorted things is always against what God is doing. So the moment we say yes to Jesus, we see almost for the first time how the world does not want us to succeed staying with Jesus. And we will find suffering all over the place. But there's hope. You know why? Because Paul says the glory of God is so great, I think it's worthless even comparing the two. Well, wait a minute. My suffering's pretty intense, we would say. I feel it everywhere. I will tell you this, though. A few seconds of God's glory makes you forget a lifetime of misery. Oh, it does. And Paul knows that. Paul persecuted the church. He was the oppressor. He was the one trying to keep Jesus out. And he got ambushed by Jesus and he experienced the greatest suffering, suffering for his name, because he experienced the glory of God on that road. He experienced it. And time and time again, and he's honest. He's honest about, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the suffering. You don't have to like the suffering. You and, and Sharon made a great point in the closing. I'm going to steal it, and so you have to pray about a different closing. Is that sometimes we think, we go, okay, I'm with Jesus. So Jesus is on the throne, so my suffering, I don't need to think about my suffering. It, he's on the throne. And then we're in denial that it's there, and we don't want to see it. Or we're on this side of things and go, God hates me, or why are you doing this to me? I don't understand. Why am I suffering? But here, Jesus, Holy Spirit is right here, and he's saying, come to me, and I will weep with you. You know he weeps in our suffering. In the book of John with Lazarus and his sisters crying at his death. And Jesus knows he's going to raise this guy. And guess what he does? Jesus wept. So we cannot dismiss the suffering. But we cannot glorify it and dishonor God and say, this is because of you and you're not great enough because you don't see me. He does see you, but he wants you to see him in the midst of the suffering because his glory is greater and you don't see it without the suffering. I, how many get addicted to TV shows? Be honest now. We'll have a support group. <laughs> my, 
My dad, every once in a while, will suggest shows that I might be interested in, and I don't watch a lot of TV. So he, he, rec he uh, recognized, what recognized? He recommended a show to me called Forged in the Fire. And I'm like, Forged in the Fire? What's it about? Bladesmithing. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> That's my first thought. I'm like, they, they dedicate mon time, money, and a whole show to clink, clink, clink. That's what I'm thinking in my head, you know. And I, I'm serious. I, I felt the Lord in this. Um, you know, I was like, okay, I'll, maybe I'll check it out. And so I was in a, I had a small space where I could watch something. So I thought, well, I'll try this forge and fire thing. <sighs> Three hours later, 10 episodes in, I'm going, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And you have this reality show on the History Channel, and it's these guys, it's about, I think, three or four contestants that come in, and they're, they're bladesmiths or blacksmiths, and they are given on their anvil a piece of steel. And these judges give them a challenge. You have to, every first round, you have to make a knife out of that steel. But then they go, surprise, and they have this tarp over something. And it's usually a really junky metal that you have to put into this blade and make it functional, and they do all these crazy tests, and it gets all dramatic. And usually it'll be like, okay, they unveil this thing, and it's a truck. And you've got to dismember this truck and find the right metals and all of this stuff. And I'm going, God, why am I so intrigued by this? What is going on? And they've got these forges and they're hot and the metal, it's just this little slab and it goes through so much pressure and tension and stress over and over and over. And these guys only have three hours to do what they would take weeks to do. And they're sitting there going, bam, bam. They're not sitting. I mean, they're up sweating, guys pass out. And I'm just going, oh, this is drama. <laughs> Will they finish the knife without passing out? You know, and boom, boom, boom. And, and, the craftsmanship and the forging and the quenching, which is putting it in oil so the, the metal hardens. And if you do it too soon, it'll crack or it'll warp. It's got to get hot enough. It's got to be at the right temperature. There is such a science to it. And if you do anything too early, you have a distortion in the metal and it breaks. Oh my goodness, this is biblical. The refiner's fire. We are constantly being refined by the suffering in our life because what we will see is a glory greater than our suffering. When these guys come out with a blade that they're proud of, whether they win or not, they go, man, it was worth it. It went through the fire. It went through all the ups and downs. I had to grind a little bit here. I had to take the flaws out of here. And here you have something beautiful that has a story because of the pressure, the tension, the pain that metal went through to become what it is. And when you look around you, when you look around you, metal is everywhere. Our cars, our buildings, the foundations. It's amazing. And it, it's biblical. We hear all of these, these references towards the Lord being the great smith who refines us in his fire and forges us. And it's amazing. What do you think the fire is? <laughs> Suffering. How many like Lord of the Rings? 
Yeah. Oh, I love the passion. Tolkien was said to be a, a believer. And you can see it all through his books. You can see it in the movies. One of the things after I got on this addiction to forging that really stood out to me was that a lot of attention is on the swords. The sword that was broken is now made whole again. And there's a whole scene in the movie where it's about how it was forged in this kind of fire and it becomes, it's on the covers, it's, it becomes something. And every sword in that movie has a name. And there's a story with it. There's something about going through the fire of life that helps us acknowledge the victory and glory of God. So much so, Paul can say it's worthless even comparing the two. The fact, I, and this is my cynicism and and. and probably arrogance and sarcasm. If I'm Paul, I'm going, I am absolutely insulted that I even have to write this in a sentence because it's so preposterous to me to even think about comparing my earthly suffering to the glory and even a moment I experienced it with here and the glory eternal I will experience. Too often we go, Jesus in my box and my lungs, my earthly lungs are suffering and so I can't see past my box. You forget sometimes as a follower of Christ that eternity is your destination and the glory there and the glory now with Jesus is far greater than any suffering. Consider it pure joy, James says, when you experience trials and circumstances that test you. My greatest encounter with God's glory was when I was 40 minutes from death. I was suffering. My body was suffering. I was told, well, you almost died. Thank you. That's encouraging. But I met his glory that made me forget how much pain the, the week before was. I can't, I can't compare it. It's too vast and too great. And we are the bearers of the name of Jesus, that glory, and you will suffer mightily, but you will be victorious beyond measure in the glory of God. Now we hear that, great, guess what? You're good, life's gonna test it. I hate preaching on this stuff because when I look at it and I go, oh, this week's gonna stink. It's gonna be horrible. Suffering in glory. Well, that means I'm gonna have to suffer, recognize the glory, get up here, tell everybody how I suffered and now the glory's better than the suffering. This ought to be rich. That's my cynicism. And God doesn't do this to us, by the way. See, when I feel like, you know, they'll say preachers get tested with what they're preaching on. Well, it's because that's highlighted and you begin to see it all around you now. It's like getting a car, you, you know, for the first time and now you see that car, what? Everywhere. It's here. You don't have to go far to find suffering, folks. It's a fallen world working against God's plan for our lives. And he found a way to topsy-turvy that and say, suffering is good because my glory will be revealed and it's greater and it will sustain you in the midst of the, the suffering. 
Now, I want to close with a story because I can keep talking about this, but here's something that just blew me away. We had a men's retreat last weekend. Anyone here, any guys here that were at the retreat? Well, thanks for the woo. Well, okay, that's two. Great, whatever. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest. I didn't want to go. Didn't want to go. And it didn't have to go do with the guys. I love the guys. I love the people in our church family. It was another thing. Even good things in the midst of a lot of things is, can be another thing. So you want to experience that? And then we forget how blessed we are when we go, oh gosh, I've got three awesome things I've got to choose. I, you know, I'm just not going to go to any of them. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I was very aware of my suffering. Sometimes numbness can be a suffering. Sometimes I just want to feel bad so I can know I can also maybe feel good. But when we're there, that can be a suffering. And there were so many little things piling up, and I felt the presence of suffering. I, I didn't want to, I, I feel more introverted in my life than ever before. All the things I want to do is alone and away. I cannot believe that. Those that know me, it's like, what? Yeah, alone and away. I want to go make my knife in my backyard in my homemade forge that breaks all fire codes. <laughs> you know? I just want to be left alone. That's how I was feeling. And then the, the embedded Christian cynicism comes up from being gro- grown up in the church. And every time you go to one of these things, you hope God does something. And he does. And then you come back and nothing happens. And so I went in my head. You know what? I don't want to go to this thing. And, and this is, I love talking with people. So don't misconstrue this. But when you are at a point of the end of yourself, everyone's taking from you. That's how it feels. And I'm like, people are going to want to talk to me. Da, 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 and I'm whining. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to have a great experience. People are telling me, don't worry, Brendan. You're going to have a good experience. You may not want to go, but God will bless it. I know he'll bless it. You know, someday on, sometime on Saturday, we'll have this experience. Bam. Jesus is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, guys, let's get together after this. It'll be great. Let's ride this wave of momentum. Boom. Nothing happens. And I'm going, why do we even do this? And I was leading the thing with Mark, by the way. <laughs> Real healthy inner talk. <laughs> yeah. And then I come back. And Shanna says to me, how is your experience? I said, I can't tell you that. What, you got a secret code amongst men? No, no, I literally can't find words or have the vocabulary to explain to you with a sense of accuracy how foolish Jesus made me look. (laughs) And without violating the sanctity of that time, I can say this. I saw unity. Even if it it doesn't last forever, even if it lasted just in that weekend, I saw unity. Not uniformity, not almost unity. I saw unity. And I saw guys worshiping for three to four hours without saying, can we stop, can we stop, can we stop, with long silences. And guys I know are suffering. But all I saw was this. The glory of God came in a moment and made us forget of the suffering we brought with us. And not forget in the denial, but not listening to the loud voice saying, you're hurting, give up. 
Jesus said, no, I am here with you in the suffering, and we will conquer this together. You'll see my glory. I sat there going, I don't know what to do with this. And Jesus said, I don't want you to do a thing with it. You wear it. You wear it. You let me be God. There's nothing for you to manufacture because we as good Christian leaders go, how do I package that now without calling it packaging? That's how I would do it. How do I relationally get this thing out there? Put it in a can going, relationship, we experienced, but I want you to try it. It was something else. I've seen glimpses of it. It was something else. God reminded me in that moment, his glory is greater than my suffering, my preconceived notions, the mind games I play with my, the, the things that I think, the cynicism in moment of glory is greater than a lifetime of suffering. The church has to become the beacon of that glory so that suffering is not something we fear, it's something we step into. Glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty. I will not fear my suffering. I will embrace my suffering because Jesus meets me in my suffering and conquers it. Jailers came to Christ looking at Paul worshiping in jail. His suffering did not speak for him. The glory of God in the midst of the suffering spoke to everyone. Now, it's, easy, it's easier said than done. Suffering is real, but God is greater than that reality. Well, how do I do this? How do I, how do, I do this by myself? How do I, you don't. You do this together. Everything is relationship with Jesus. We do this together. We hurt together. We laugh together. We worship together, we encourage together, we mourn together, but Jesus leads all of that. And we can encourage one another and become safe places. That's why we say this is, there's a method to the madness here, folks. Building a place through Jesus Christ to be with and become like Jesus. A safe place where hard things can be said and received without us running away because this is a hard thing to navigate. Suffering in the midst of God's glory is not easy. And we need each other to walk through this together. We are pieces of metal that the master smith is molding, and we are being put in the fire. But the Lord will have his way if we let him, and his glory will be seen in the smallest and greatest of spaces and places. How many have seen God's glory in your life? Does that not outweigh all the suffering you can muster up in your history? <laughs> Enough said. Lord, we thank you that your glory is greater. It's greater. Your love for us is greater. Your presence is greater. Greater than my circumstances. Greater than my financial situation. Greater than my, than my work situation. It's greater Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we want you more than anything, even, even our, sometimes we feel so comfortable in our suffering because it, it's there and we learn to live in it. But we still learn to live in it apart from Jesus. We don't want to live in our suffering apart from you any longer. 
Being with you is what it means to prosper. To have victory. Doesn't matter what the world throws at us. Lord, your, your glory, it'd be worthless to compare it to the suffering. But we thank you that you still meet us in our suffering. We thank you that you weep for us because you care for us. Even though you know all things, you don't dismiss it. Because it's there in the suffering. We are transformed with ever-increasing glory. So we thank you, Lord. Have your way with us. And may you be glorified this day until the next day comes. And the next day comes. And we pray that when people see us, they would see your glory because of who you are in us. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in the scripture, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Oh
do have a hope and a victory in Jesus. It says, and they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Let's sing out those words. We will overcome. And we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 